All right. Get my notes set up here so I kind of have an idea of what I'm doing. Good morning. It's good to see everybody today. If you don't know who I am, I'm Daniel Reister. I am an intern here at Arise Church, and as a part of my internship, I also get the... um, I don't know the wording, the the pleasure maybe, um, but the the challenge of every once in a while getting up and sharing a message. And as a church, for the past few weeks, uh, since the beginning of the new year, we've started into a series on the seven capital vices. We've been talking about different types of sin and how how they deceive us. We've talked a lot about different types of sin and deception, and so we're still in that series. Um, Sometimes it can feel like a little bit of a downer, but we are also seeing where there's so much hope and so many ways that we can grow through, through this series. And so uh, we're, not, we're not out of the woods yet. We have not finished all seven of the capital vices, um, but right now I just want to get up on the screen. We're going to take a look at how are we defining vices here um, as we've gone through this series. And, and it's, it's as simple as this. It's a habit or a character trait which inclines us towards certain types of actions. And so we're going to be digging into what actions does the, our vice of today um, manifest inside of us. And so today's vice, I feel like this is like, should be like a big reveal because, you know, what, oh, what are we going to talk about today? But today we're going to talk about the vice of sloth, okay? The vice of sloth, and there's so many pictures that go through our head when we first think of the word sloth, um, and, and we, we think, often think of laziness, and we're going to look at some cultural examples and some um, examples from the media, but first I want to start with a very simple definition. Sloth is simply this. It is a resistance to effort, Right? It's resisting to do something. Um, but as, as we dive deeper, like it's so much more, often, it's so much more than what we initially uh, think it to be. And so I want to actually put up a second definition um, derived from another word. So the word acedia has been used uh, it, historically um, by the desert fathers and mothers, so ancient monasticism, to describe this vice. Um, and acedia means this. So at the top it says there, it's, it's without care. And then it can be go on to dis- be described as the heart's resistance to the demands of love. And so we see resistance in both of these words, but we see love at the core, at the root, like a resistance to love in our lives. Um, and so we're going to use these definitions and we're going to start unpacking and we're going to start looking at where we see um, sloth manifest itself in our lives. And as we go and we get into the weeds, like if you go through a half of the roller coaster that I went through this week as I worked on this sermon, as I examined my life, like we're going to get halfway through and you're going to be like, is there any hope? Um, there will be, and then we'll take at the end and we'll talk about some of the cures and some of the practical things we can do to start combating this in our life. Um, but, but let's get the juices flowing and let's look at what are some things in the meat or some characters in the media that hold, um, that symbolize some form of slothfulness. So, so you see up on the screen here, right? We, we laugh, it's silly, but something about their characteristics are, are telling us about something about this vice of sloth. You have the, the sloth from Zootopia, not ready to exert any more effort than, you know, 
could possibly be required for the task, moving so slowly and speaking so slowly um, and, and just no regard for the world around him except that he has to be there and it's a monotonous life. No effort to do anything more than the bare minimum. We have, uh, um, so, sorry, <laughs> I gotta get my head straight. We have Homer Simpson up there in like this traditional like lazy position, right? Sitting on the couch, just like numbing his mind at the television. Uh, so, so like, so, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm working on it. My, my words are coming. Uh, so resistant to effort that like he won't even hold his drink, right? They're sitting in little cup holders on his hats and there's straws running into his mouth and just totally like, like uh, just, just trying to get out of the world. We have Sid the Sloth and this is kind of a funny one because when I started thinking about him uh, and Sid's from the Ice Age. And when I started thinking about him, I'm like, is he really slothful? But then I look at his, his personality and his actions in the movies, and he's kind of very carefree. Whatever happens, happens. You know, don't make a plan. It's just going to kind of go the way it goes, and you're just going to laugh it off and keep going. And, and, and so he carries something in slothfulness that, about, like, intentionality, um, and, and then there's the, the people in Wally, right? They're so lazy, like they don't even walk where they go. They just sit in their chairs and they zoom around their spaceship. Their food is delivered to them. Their screens are ever before them. They're numbing their minds and they're not building or growing in any way, shape or form. Everything they need to uh, exist is just provided for them with no effort on their Heart. So just some cultural or just some, some examples to get us thinking. But where do we see sloth in our culture? I want to look at just a few examples really quick. Um, it can be as simple as binge watching TV when there's other things that we should be doing, when there's work that we should be doing and we decide to drown it out by binge watching our favorite show hour after hour doing nothing but sitting in front of the television. Uh, it can look like being in a group like in a large group of friends hanging out with your buddies and, and, and you're, all, you're all together and you pull out your phone and instead of engaging the room around you and taking the effort to know the people right in front of you, you're scrolling through your social media and you're not engaging with the people around you, right? You're being lazy in the relationships right before your eyes. It can look like... Um, uh, driving into the parking lot at the um, supermarket and you're, you're driving in and what do, we, what do we like to do? We always like to look for the parking spot closest to the door. But for those of us who are able, like how much more work is it for us to park out in the back and then walk in uh, and walk the extra minute to come to the door to leave a spot for somebody else who maybe is not quite as mobile as we are to be a little closer and have a little less of a walk, right? It, it seems silly, but it's something in our, in our minds that's, that's way down in our, in our minds and we don't even think about it anymore that, uh, at, at, for the, um, for, for our convenience and for, for us to exert less effort, we choose things in our lives that are more convenient and easier for us instead of thinking about the people around us. 
Um, this next one, does anybody in here ever make a New Year's resolution, like, at all in their lives? Any hands up? Okay, there's a few people who've made New Year's resolutions. Uh, is there anybody in here who has never made it all the way through the year with their New Year's resolution? Okay, so quite a few people. <laughs> um, and, and, and here's the deal, like, that, that's a form of sloth in our lives. Like, at one point there was something inside us that says, we want to change this, and we want to do better, and we want to improve, or we want to get better at this. And then we get a little ways into it, and all of a sudden, like, it's, we don't want to exert the effort anymore. We don't want to put in the work to do it anymore. Um, it's just inconvenient, or we no longer have time to do it. Like, it's, it's a part of our lives in so many ways. Um, it can, we can see it in the church in some unique ways. Um, over the last few years, like with COVID, one of the big shifts is so many churches now have live streams, right? Everybody's streaming their service, which is an amazing thing. But like, I think about some mornings when I get up and you're like, wow, do I really want to make the trip into church this morning? It'd be a whole lot easier to just uh, stay in my pajamas and sit on the couch or, uh, you know, not have to get all the kids ready to go to get out the door and get to church and interact with people and do all of that stuff at church. And, and, you know, that can be a form of slothfulness for us. Um, I want to make a very clear point with this one, though. Like, for those of you joining us today who have health challenges or you're, you're um, a caretaker for somebody in your home who's facing health challenges, like th- th- that point doesn't apply to you. I thank you for joining us online and I'm very thankful for our live stream. But it's something that we need to, for some of us, we need to consider when we're deciding whether we come into church or not in the mor- mornings. Um, we're in this series on vices, and so there's probably a lot of times, if you're anything like me, where you hear something and you're like, wow, I really need to change that. Something needs to move and happen in my heart. And, and then we get up, and we walk out the door, and we never do anything about it. We're caught somewhere between now knowing that we're maybe not who we wanted to be, but not willing to put in the effort or the work to get to become the person that we're feeling like we're being called to be. It can happen when we ignore our convictions. Uh, another one that I think of that, hap- that can happen sometimes is like you're in a conversation and you're talking and you're visiting with somebody and they're sharing some difficult things in their life. And, and it's, these words are so easy to say in so many ways. And we, we say them so often. We'll say like, oh, I'm praying for you. But if we walk away and we never stop to pray or we just breathe a two-minute breath prayer on our way out the door have we really pulled have we really taken on the labor of love or have we resisted the effort it takes to really invest our heart in prayers for this person um so so yeah but as we as we start to get in um I want to look at sloth and sloth is not just laziness Sloth manifests itself in more ways than laziness. So on one side of our continuum up here, you see on one side we have lazy apathy and on the other side we have restless busyness. So the heart of sloth is not actually to just get you to the couch and doing nothing. The heart of sloth is to distract you and keep you from growing and maturing. 
right? Sloth is trying to keep you from growing and maturing, and it doesn't care whether it uses lazy apathy and, and, and plants lies inside of you that say, um, that, that say it's going to be too difficult to grow or to change. And it, doesn't, uh, it can also use restless busyness to distract you from working on the things you really need to work on in your lives. And so through this lens, we're going to use this, this lens and we're going to look how sloth can um, attack our lives um, on, on, both, on both ends of, of the spectrum. You got to catch up my notes here. I want to I want to tell a story just really quick of a recent um, trip that I made. So I had a friend who got married last or this month, um, and and I was there two weeks ago. It was in Southern California. Um, I got the wedding invite in December, he sent it out, and so I was like, okay, I know that I'm going to have to do some travel stuff and, and get along to see, to see him and to be at his wedding, and I kind of forgot something about myself, um, which I quickly remembered as, as the time narrowed to the time it was to go to the wedding. It's that I struggle, I actually really struggle with new administrative tasks. And so something that I needed to do to go to this wedding was to book my plane tickets, book my Uber and book uh, from the airport to the hotel and book my hotel and get all that stuff settled. And what I, what I forgot about myself in all of this was that because of the stress and anxiety for me of trying something new and developing new skills like it's really easy for me to put it off I would just kind of like keep saying oh I'll work on that next weekend or every time I saw it I'd say I'm too busy to work on that this weekend it can wait until next weekend and I keep putting it off and I keep putting it off and I keep putting it off and then all of a sudden you're booking your plane tickets your uber and your um and your and your hotel 48 hours before you're gonna arrive where you're going and so like I think about sloths in my life and I think about these are these are characteristics that I knew about myself I knew that I struggled with these sorts of tasks and I haven't done anything yet in my life to address these things to get better at um, to get better at being a little more proactive even when it's stressful and uncomfortable and causes me a little extra effort to engage and so just one example from my life where, where I've experienced sloth recently um, but today Today, I want to look at sloth and how sloth affects our lives in one of our practices as a church and one of our principles. So as a church, we have three practices and we have six principles. Um, the, the practice we're going to look at today is kind to people, which is rooted in love, which we'll talk about here in a second. And then the principle that we're going to look at today is going to be learning. But let's, let's start down this road of lazy in love. And I think we need to... Uh, define some biblical love first um, before we get too far into this discussion, before we can see how sloth really makes us uh, uh, love poorly. Get Matthew up there on the screen. And Matthew twenty-two thirty-four through 40 says this. Uh, we might be out of order there. Just a second. Oh no, we're good. 
But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, uh, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depends all the laws and the prophets. So we have a definition of biblical love and the one that I'm zeroing in on, which is the root of our practice of being kind to people, is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So we have a biblical commandment, something that we're told that we need to do. And then James reminds us something in uh, James 4, 17. He says this, So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. So if we know what to do and we fail to do it, for whoever fails to do it, it is now sin. So I'm going to tell you another story. There was a a point in my life and I knew this guy. um, And for the story, we're going to call him Fred. And, and I knew Fred, and I was uh, interacting with Fred on a fairly regular basis. And it was interesting, because there was something in my heart where I knew that I really struggled to love Fred well. Like, I, I didn't like being around him, I, and, and I, I just didn't want to interact with him, but I knew that I had to. And there was something nagging in my heart to say, y- you need to love Fred better. Um, and, and I wrestled with that. So I don't know if you have people in your life where you, where you um, wrestle with loving them well um, and, and people with your life that you really struggle with. Like sometimes we can meet people who have different political views than us and just struggle to love them well. We can meet people who act differently than we would act or they look differently than we look or they behave differently than we would behave and, and we struggle with those people, whatever it may be for you. Like there was something about Fred for me that I just struggled with, and I I knew that I wasn't loving him well in my heart. So I had the first step. I knew something was wrong, and then, um, but here here's the problem: is with my story with Fred is there was nothing motivating me to learn to love him better. There was nothing, um, there was nothing inside, there was nothing in the circumstances. He had no authority over me. There was no benefit to me to learn to love Fred better. And so, and so like, to be perfectly honest with you, I didn't. I never did learn how to love Fred better. Nothing ever changed in my heart. And I become aware of that as I start uh, looking at things like sloth is like, wow, like the call wasn't to, wasn't to just, just love the people who give you a leg up in life, but it's to love your neighbor as yourself. And I failed to do that with Fred. So I want to look at an example from John 4, uh, 4.13, and we're going to kind of tie, tie this back together. And, and it's the story of the woman at the well. And it says, Jesus left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called uh, Sychra near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon when a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? 
His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water are you greater than your father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock Jesus answered everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst indeed the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life so I read this story and as I contrast it with what sloth does inside of us is sloth tries to get us to reject love because it's too difficult in so many ways and I I look at Jesus's example in this in this passage and a few things jump out and challenge me in my mind the first thing is right at the beginning of the passage it says so who uh, uh, it says Jesus tired as he was from his journey sat down by the well. When we're tired, we're usually at our worst. When we're weary, we're usually at the end of our rope and we don't have much for patience. But Jesus models a radical and ridiculous type of love in this moment. He sits down and he talks to somebody his culture tells him should be his enemy. He talks to a Samaritan woman or, or somebody that his culture says he should not be loving or doesn't have to love, right? But in his tiredness, he still reaches out to her and he, he gives her the best gift that could possibly be given. He gives her the gift of eternal life. And so I look at sloth in my life and I'm like, wow, I really fell short of the type of love that I should be showing, the type of love that... that Math, that, that was recorded in Matthew, this love your neighbor as yourself, no ifs, ands, or buts. So let's look at a comparison, the comparison chart really quick, and let's talk a little bit about how, uh, how in love... Uh, sloth can manifest itself as as lazy apathy or as um, restless busyness in our lives. So, in lazy apathy, in love, it's easy to say um, it's easy to say the demands of love are too strenuous. We look to things to numb it instead or other things to do so we just don't have to deal with it, right? Like it's, it's the, the base definition of the word. It's, it's we're resisting effort in it. Um, it's, it sometimes can look like we just choose not to. Let me, let me get to here in my notes. Sometimes it can look like we just choose not to. I think about my story um, with Fred, and at some point that was my choice. And I knew what I needed to grow in, and I knew what I needed to do, but at some point in there I just chose not to do it. I just chose not to do it. But what about, um, what about when we're lazy in love, what does that look like in busyness? Does it look like we have too much to do on our plates that we don't have time to stop? 
and to invest in the relationships around us that we're running from thing to thing and we don't have time to build the relationships around us? Are we prioritizing our personal sense of accomplishment over love? Sloth can use these things in our lives to distract us from what we should be doing, what we should be showing in love to one another. Um, And in both of these things, whether it manifests itself as lazy in love or as um, as lazy apathy or restless busyness, I want to ask you a question. Who pays the price? Who pays the price when sloth grips our heart and we don't do the things that we ought to do? Is it our spouse who's now more like an event on our calendar than a loving and nurturing relationship because we just don't have the time and we've got so many other things going on? Is it our kids who are desperate for our attention but we don't have the time to give to them because we've got to get the stuff ready for the meeting tomorrow and it's really important that I do it tonight? Who is paying the price? Who's paying the price? Is it the... the, um, Is it your friend, your good friend who you've been friends with for so long and you just are so busy or you just are like, I don't really want to add another thing right now even though that I have the time to hang out and to talk and to have the deep conversations like we used to. Who's paying the price? Is it the person on the side of the road who when we're driving driving to the supermarket to get groceries for the company that's coming uh, coming over later that evening and we see him broken down on the side of the road and we say, somebody else will stop. I've got too much on. I've got to be back at my house to host these people. So we drive on by. When sloth grips our heart, whether the diversion of our busyness or, the lazy, or, or by laziness, who's paying the price? When we don't love well, who's paying the price? I want to look at one more example while we're talking about love, um, and, and it's from Luke 10, 38 through 40. I'm not going to put up the scriptures, but we're going to talk about the story, and the story is Mary and Martha, um, and if, if you look at the story, Jesus comes into town, Martha's like, come, come over to my house, let me host you in my home, and, and that's what happens, Jesus comes into her home, and the story goes something like this. Martha is busy running around, getting the food ready, doing all the things you got to do when you have somebody in your home. And Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening and listening to him teach. And at some point in the story, Martha comes, um, Martha comes to Jesus and says, tell Mary to help me. I have too much to do. There's so much to be done. And Jesus' response isn't, Mary, get up and help your sister. But he says this, Mary has chosen the good portion. And so I read this and it like, I don't know, it it wrecked me in a lot of ways because I started to think about, I, I was thinking about sloth and I was thinking about how sloth is trying to deceive me from being or growing into the person that I'm supposed to be. And I see this moment where Jesus is like, in your hurry, Martha, you're missing relationship with me. You're missing relationship with me. And so it really made me pause and think. 
and really, really think about the fact that sloth isn't just about sitting on the couch, but it's about Jesus, or it's not about sitting on the couch, but it's about are we willing to do the work to grow and to become the people that Jesus is calling us to grow and to become? So the next, uh, the next example that we're going to talk about or a lens we're going to frame sloth through today is this idea of lazy in learning. Um, lazy in learning is it's derived from our practice as a church of learning, one of our six practices. And so we're just going to spend some time um, looking through and seeing how sloth can affect our ability to learn um, and thus our ability to develop and grow. But first, like we did with love, let's look at some biblical definitions. Um, What does the Bible say about learning? So this one passage from Joshua says this, This book of the law shall not um, depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that. This is a call, right? It tells us what we're supposed to do and why we're supposed to do it. We're supposed to study it and we're supposed to read it and we're supposed to learn it. And so... Uh, with that up on the screen, I, want, I have a few other examples of things that the Bible tells us we should be learning how to do. The first one looks familiar, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, the Great Commission. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet chooses his heart, or closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Some examples of learning, or some examples of the things that we should be learning and growing and developing in from Scripture— I'm, we're we're kind of stacking up the scriptures and then we're, we're going to kind of use them as we explain um, the, how sloth can attack us in, in learning. But I, I want to look at one more really quick that I think is really important. Um, it's this. It says, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So do... Uh, So do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do, for they preach but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on the people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their fingers. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. And James again reminds us, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. So, Let's look at what sloth is trying to do and then we'll talk about what sloth is trying to do in our lives and then we'll talk about how some of these passages um, connect in. So if we can get the continuum up on the screen. Yep. So when I think about learning and the importance... Sorry, I just need to gather my thoughts for a second to make sure we do this in the right way. So I'm actually going to start on the busyness end of the spectrum on this one in the passage that we just um, read about the Pharisees explaining like all these, this knowledge that they had obtained, but Jesus' warning to the people was, 
don't imitate them, don't do what they're doing because they're not doing the things that they're learning. And so one way that sloth can affect our learning is if we're taking in large masses of information and we're, we're not taking it to heart and letting it guide and change, and change us and shape and form us. And there can be a number of, of reasons why that doesn't happen. Um, some of those reasons can be... Um, some of those reasons can be that, that there's just enough busyness in our lives that we didn't leave enough margin to actually be shaped and formed by the things that we're reading. So I want to f- picture this or frame this through um, like a, a, an attitude or a volunteerism. Um, so I think about like, you think about all the things that we can do um, we can do with our lives. And one of the great things we can do is volunteer, right? We can give our time and our resources to the people around us, which is amazing. And I think about, but if we're filling our time with only all these things to do, and there's no margin left to actually work on our hearts and be shaped and formed, like sloth is getting the upper hand in a sense, right? Because we're no longer able to work on our our building of our lives because we're too busy doing other things. We're too busy doing other things. So what, does it, what can it look like to be lazy in our learning? So we kind of talked a little bit about how busyness can divert us from... Um, from from learning or t- from the true growth that we should be gaining from our learning, but in some like in in a lot of ways, there's 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 ways that laziness um, affects us, where sloth attacks us through laziness in our learning, and it's just it's it's as simple as we resist the effort to change. We know what we need to do. We've read the books. We've gone to the conferences. And something inside of us just resists the effort that it's going to take us to change. It's, it's that no that sometimes we say to heart work because we're afraid of the, the burden that it is to our lives. It's a, a desire to stay where we're at because of the work that it takes to get to where God's calling us to go. And, and so when we're, when we're lazy in our learning, like, we suffer just as much as when we're too busy because there's not enough, either there's not enough time or we're not willing to put in the effort to really do the hard work to grow as God's calling us to grow. I'm just deciding if I'm going to add this other story in really, really quick. Um, I think we're going we're gonna to go ahead and jump to the cures. So what are some of the cures for sloth in our lives? Like, th- this is the question, right? We've looked at ways that sloth can show up and affect us. Um, but what are some of the cures for sloth in our lives? What can we do? So first off, I want to like say sloth thrives on passivity. 
So sloth really likes it when we, when we don't do anything, when we, when we um, float through life and it, it's really easy to manipulate us when we're very passive and we expect to just be formed by doing nothing. And so um, the, the biggest, the biggest take home with any cure to sloth is it is going to require work and it's going to require intentionality. If we want to overcome sloth in our life, it's going to require work and it's going to require intentionality. So the first one on the list is intentional examination. Are you actively looking for ways that sloth could be affecting your life? Are you actively examining yourself and your life and asking yourself, where are you being lazy in love? Where are you falling short of what we're being called to do? Where are you um, not growing or where are you unwilling to grow or to be changed in your life? And the important part about this is, is this intentional examination isn't just like sitting in a room thinking by yourself but you open up the word and you start looking at your life alongside the words written on the page and you have to spend the time to do that and to examine your heart before God and decide and ask what does he have for you to grow in and where should you be growing so you have to be looking for it it's the intentional examination Um, the, the second one is this uh, it's honest accountability. And so this is another one that's super, um, that you have to do intentionally because it's great if you've identified the thing in your heart that you want to change or that you want to grow in. But if you're not, but if you're not then taking that to someone else and sharing it and sharing these things that you want to change and grow, sloth likes to jump in and say, well, it wants to convince you to not do anything. And so to combat that, we we accountable with the people that we love. We get vulnerable with the things that we're struggling with, the things that we want to grow in and we want to get better at. And, and we share them with people and we ask them to hold us accountable. We tell them what's difficult for us. We tell them where we mess up. And we ask them to keep us accountable as we try to get better and as we try to improve. And there's kind of two sides to this. One is the vulnerable sharing. But like in this, you have to be ready to be the person who's going to be shared with, right? You have to be willing to take the time when your friend calls you up and say, yeah, I've got the time. Let's talk. Tell me what's going on. Let me hold you accountable. And then you have to be actively holding your friends and family members accountable who reach out to you so we can we can one of the cures to sloth is sharing it and asking others to hold us accountable and so uh with this just the the kind of the final point is is this is anything that thrives on passivity like sloth does um there's really no other way or no other way to phrase it than at some point you just have to do it you know the things that need to change. You know what needs to grow and what needs to happen. You may have a sense of the things that's blocking you. You may not. But at some point, you just have to jump in. It's never going to be the perfect time to address the struggle. It's never going to be the perfect time um, uh, to, to, uh, to, to make more time, whatever it may be. But at some point, when we talk about sloth, you just have to jump in and you just have to start. 
So sloth holds a lot, like there's a lot of danger in sloth in our lives. And one of the things that I I was thinking about as I was preparing this sermon is that if we're struggling to, um, if we're struggling to address any of the other vices in our lives, we may be struggling to address sloth in our life. We may be struggling to address, address this, this vice of sloth and it's consuming our lives. And so just spend some time this week considering how does, how does sloth, how do you think sloth shows up in your life? How has it affected your life? Where is it, uh, where is it that it's kind of hard to find? Where does it show up in lazy apathy? And where does it show up in restless busyness? Where does it show up in your life as a resistance to effort? And where is it showing up where you're failing in love? And so just start looking through your lives and start acting on some of those areas in your life. Um, I always get through these things and I'm like, was I way too short or way too long? But we're to the part um, just to give you some time now to split into groups. We've been doing this each week to uh, share just a little bit with one another. Like, where do you think you see this in your life? what's resonating with you and then just spend some time praying with one another like this is step one in getting started on the way to um, combating sloth in your life so I'm just going to give you a little bit of time and then we'll go into worship and wrap up for the day